Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and well, we did it again, folks. We managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I think we can safely call time on the 2019 season. I was holding out hope that we could turn things around, um, that other results could go our way, and that somehow we could Bradbury it into the finals. Uh, but poor form, a horror run of injuries uh, mixed in with only rare glimpses of 2018 form. It's shattered the dream of back-to-back finals and have turned uh, this season into a living nightmare for us Demon fanatics. Uh, just wake me up uh, when it's 2020. Uh, regular co-host Grape Viney cannot be with us tonight. So joining me once again, coming back from a self-imposed exile is Demon Blogger, author of The Great Depression, a great follow on Twitter under the handle at Demon Blog, otherwise known as Supermercado on demonland.com. Good evening, Supermercado. How are you? Good evening, and I'd like to thank you for asking me on tonight because this will be the first time I've confronted the memories of this game uh, since falling onto the floor uh, at the final siren on Saturday night and, and basically staying curled up in a ball for about five minutes. Uh, before I could bear, uh, via a, a quick session of trying to get the TV to turn off so I didn't have to watch <laughs> Happy Adelaide players or see replays, uh, about five minutes of just lying on the floor, curled up in a ball, trying to uh, come to terms with what happened. Uh, and since then, all I've done is basically avoid everything in, in even remotely related to football. What? Unfortunately, today there was a few footy-related things that stru- snuck through just because we had a, a coach put out of his misery. Uh, but Melbourne-related stuff, this will be the first time I've tackled it. Well, I, I was going to ask you, how do you do that? Because you spend a lot of time on, on Twitter. Um, for me, I avoid it as soon as we lost. I barely opened an app, uh, Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram. I use them quite often, at least, having a look. But when we lose, and especially when we lose like we did... It's it's very hard for me to take any of that type of stuff. So I want to know how. I, I mean, I found myself opening those apps only to just quickly close them. How do you do it? Um, well, the first problem I had is well, I had to do a post about the game. Yes. Uh, and and as, as anybody who's read it will probably realise, it was one of the uh, cheapest, nastiest, and quickly knocked off posts uh, of the last few years. I did get on a bit of Twitter just after the game just because I needed to... Fantastic. A, I needed to defend the honour of Sam Wiedemann because yes. it was he was just he just got laden with the check that everyone else wrote out, uh, but also just to you know go hog wild a bit and try and get over it. And I must say, by the next morning when I woke up, I woke up and I was like, eh, whatever, season's gone anyway. It's God forbid we ever do anything. It will be one of those the many long line of games where we'll look back and laugh at it. Um, so I, I did find it interesting that in your intro, you, you used the phrase, the dream of back-to-back finals, <laughs> which I think pretty much says where we're at as Melbourne fans. <laughs> so God forbid the dream ever becomes more exciting than back-to-back finals. I'd like to think the games like this and Geelong last year and Collingwood at the end of 2017 will all be will all be the ones we put on a, a comedy marathon and just sit there and laugh at um, while we drink from the Premiership Cup. Well, we even in um, when we, you know you might laugh about that back-to-back finals, but uh, even in the uh, the Danaher years, um, we didn't even get the dream of back-to-back finals in those years because we had that odd and even year um, thing happening back then. Um, Sam Wiedemann, you mentioned, um, 
and it can't be your I thought he had uh, up until that kick. I thought he had a, a decent game. Yep. Um, but I think he can be struck off the list of preferred players to have the ball in hand five points down on the siren of a grand final. Um, well, see, oh, I, I don't know. Maybe he'll learn from the from the experience. But I reckon if you'd told me, who do you want to kick for your life? Usually a great kick, yeah. I would have had him because McDonald's gone off a bit. Hunt, a few weeks ago, Hunt was hitting them from everywhere. Um, and so I probably would have gone for the weed. But, uh, oh, you know, like I said, he was just at a long line of people stuffing things up. And the ironic thing is, had he had that mark just gone straight through his hands, he would have got one fiftieth of the scrutiny that he's yeah, had. Exactly. Because um, it wasn't like it wasn't like the most obvious mark of all time. It's not like he was leading out to it. No, it fell into his hands. It fell into his hands. So if that had just fallen straight through his hands, people would have been like, "Oh, he wasn't expecting it. It just fell straight through his hands." Yeah. Um, but instead, he does the right thing, takes the mark. You know, you'd like to think that that was an easy shot but it was sort of that just that distance and this sounds stupid and i people will mock me for this but it was almost too much in front i i'm always suspect of those kicks where they don't get to arc out a bit or or hit it from an angle and and swing it i don't know that's just that's the that's the way someone who's never played a proper game of footy in their life um (laughs) talks but but that's just the way i feel and when he got it i just thought he's going to miss this like i thought it's too it's very it, Melbourne. It's too perfect <laughs> that a guy who you would expect to kick the ball is going to kick the ball is going to kick the goal. Um, under the circumstances, I would have rather it in the hands of Oscar McDonald, <laughs> who is is you know making a, a big run at the record for the most Melbourne Football Club games without a goal. Oh, I would prefer it in his hands because then it would just be if he kicked it, it would be awesome, and if he didn't, it'd just be like, well, that's what I expected. <laughs> Uh, call me crazy, but ironically, I would have preferred to have had the ball in Petrarca's hands. Yeah, as, he's, he's hit a few. Yeah, from well, that distance that's what I'm saying. Him. He he seems to be able to slot them through from outside 50, whereas if he's five metres out, I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm closing my eyes. Yeah, so I'll, yeah, I'm not blaming him because I, I can't even. I mean, let's just let's just recap on how many people missed. Harms hit the post. Yep. Smith Smith marked and then looked at the ball like it was. A lump of human feces before he lined up for his his kick, which was very strange. Um, and another one of his Garlet kicks missed uh, uh, in the pocket. Uh, another one of Smith's goals where he was straight in front. He just snuck it in uh, yep. as well. Even he was doing the, like the kind of half bending over, like physically trying to will it, telekinesis yeah. style to go in. Um, so who else? What, what are we? Harms one goal eight. One goal. One goal eight to five goals two. And uh, I think it was Whispering Jack or George on the outer a few weeks ago that pulled out a stat in either the preview or the the match report on the accuracy of opposition teams against us in the final term compared to our inaccuracy. Um, so yeah, we just can't seem to kick goals in the last quarter. There was a time a few weeks ago our players were kicking everything. I reckon that Essendon game, which unfortunately our defence was in complete disarray down the other end. So we, we kicked about 110 points and conceded 130. And that night they were just kicking set shots from everywhere. But again, it's like last the last quarter of last week when there's no heat. Does it matter what happens when there's no heat? Um, but then this game, we, we had no goals. We've basically, the Hawthorne game we barely kicked any goals in the last quarter. Yeah. The Gold Coast game, 
I think Marty Hoare yeah, Marty was the Hall, only, that only put us ahead of Gold Coast in that quarter. Uh, whereas the West Coast game, we've collapsed. The This game, we've collapsed. Port game, we collapsed. Um, well, and then the GWS game, where it was just a complete walkover at the end. GWS players were basically at a complete walking pace. And then we bang on six goals and yeah. get out of it with a good result. Um, but if you, if you look at the actual quarter scores for the year, um, there is literally only one game where we've kicked more goals than the opposition. Um, and if you look at the the last quarters, we've just been terrible in the last quarters in games where it mattered. Like the Essendon game, we we lo- I think we still got outscored, but we kicked you know four goals or five goals or something. Yeah. Again, game gone. Whereas these when the game's on the line, they just go to pieces. So that's all part of the rich tapestry of being a Melbourne fan. But but we should never have been in that position anyway. We, we shouldn't have lost the game. We were thirty one points up. Uh, in fact, I thought we should have been up further, up by more for most of the game. Uh, we were all over them, and again, smashed te- smashed a team going into the forward fifty. Um, I can't remember what the stats, but it was something sixty to forty something. So we definitely, uh, and we were making a, a conscious effort to lower our eyes. But the stats showed that we were smash. Uh, we, we, you know, we smashed the team going inside fifty, but we're unable to kick a winning score, which has been the bane of of this year. At least this time, we actually put the ball into the hands of players when we went inside fifty. Now it didn't work in the end, but that was something. And look, I think that for the first three quarters, we were by far the better team yep. um, of the two. So where there are positives to take out of it. Um, you know, there's not doesn't do much for our season, but it does a lot to reinforce my belief that everything will ultimately, not this year, hopefully next year, be okay. Um, and I want, one thing I will say is I was really impressed with, I'll, I'll say the defence as a whole, because there were moments where individuals um, certainly struggled. But given that you lost Salem and Hoare, and they got replaced with Kennedy, Harris, and Wiedemann, which is not exactly a like-for-like, like, um, you know, change. Um, and I don't know what other options they would have had, considering Lever was self-excluded, Petty was injured last week, Lewis was suspended, so they didn't really have much they could do um, bringing from outside the team. I actually thought they held up pretty well. Uh, they just could they couldn't get it done for four quarters but at the same time they shouldn't have needed to get it done for four quarters because we had the opportunities at the other end to take the take the defense out of it it's like when you get shafted by the umpires in a close game and you've had all these opportunities to take the umpires out of it and you don't and you lose it because of dodgy decisions yeah who do you blame ultimately you you didn't need to rely on the defense or the umpires um, we could have won it off our own boot, which I think is the most disappointing part. And like I said, I'm not even counting Wiedemann's miss in that. Um, we could have won it off our own boot half a dozen times before that. Yeah, it's unfair to, to lay the blame on him. He looked devastated um, after the game. Uh, in, in fact, the pictures, if, you, if you've seen some of the photos of his face, that <laughs> was my face for most of the weekend. Um, no, nah, I don't want to see him because I, I just think that's really rude. Uh, I know why, because journalists, as we see with coaches, where they uh, they knife the coach in every direction they can and then 
get all emotional about how well they handled their sacking press conference. Um, I know why the media do it, but I think it's really unfair. Like I said, if, if he dropped that mark, there wouldn't have been photos of him looking at his hands as if they were cursed. Mm. Uh, it's only because he did the right thing and ended up having the responsibility and missed. Uh, and like you said, he had a really good game considering he was basically plucked out of the stands at you know, last minute notice to play. I thought some of his contested marks were uh, amongst the better contested marks in the forward line we've had all year. Um, but unfortunately now like Gorn, every time Gorn has a shot in the last quarter of a tight game, we're <laughs> going to have to hear about that. And every time Brad Green, we're going to have to hear about Manchester United. Every time Alex Keith plays, we have to hear about how he used to be a cricketer. <laughs> unfortunately now, Wiedemann, every time he has a shot, we're going to have to hear about the time he missed a kick which I think is really cruel. Yeah, look, I hope it doesn't uh, get into his head because uh, we've seen, obviously, Petrarca has been uh, has had some demons uh, every time he lines up for goal, particularly inside sort of a 30-metre arc. Um, there's something going on there for sure. Hopefully, with Wiedemann, it doesn't affect him uh, to the same uh, degree. Um We'll talk about inside 50. We had 18 marks inside 50 to seven to them. Yep. So that, uh, for, uh, from our perspective, well, that was great. Obviously, they didn't sign. kick the earth. It's a good sign. A couple of the drop marks, particularly in the last quarter, Gorn dropped a sitter. He was, I think he was outside 50 at the time. Uh, Spargo and and Jeffy Garlett dropped absolute sitters, uh, yep. sort of inexcusable. Um, so can't blame Wiedemann. Um those guys had opportunities as well. And we mentioned the guys sort of who missed goals in the last quarter as well. Yeah. Um, and look, it, it does, it happens in isolation. People will miss goal, but that run was just ridiculous. And I think the one that I caused the neighbours to think there was a murder happening in my <laughs> house saw, was when yeah. Harms hit the post. Yes. Uh, and that, he, he's, I'm not never going back to watch a replay of this game until we win a premiership to find <laughs> out. But I reckon he had, Heaps of time, heaps more time than he thought. And he just kind of threw it on the boot and into the post. And, you know, at the time it was just, well, there's a handy point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and came back to haunt us when we couldn't hold them out long enough. Uh, but it, it really was, it was like the West Coast game, except instead <laughs> of dodgy umpiring decisions, we stitched ourselves up. Like there is no one else to blame in this case. Than us, like there'll always be a, a shonky umpiring decision that you don't like here or there. But we had that game to win, and we stuffed it up. And it better be used as motivation for the rest of the year for them uh, to not let things like that happen again. To put teams away. I'll make a case about the umpires. I I, I don't think the umpires lost us the game. I won't go so far as to say that. But I thought the umpiring was quite poor. Uh, in relation to to them, uh, they could dispose of the ball any way they wanted. I know that uh, umpiring in terms of incorrect disposal and holding the ball is very inconsistent across the board, but I felt we were laying tackles, throwing, you know, spinning a guy around seven times, and then he was <laughs> get he was never called for anything. There was a couple of throws here and there. Um, the umpiring in terms of, I think they got three or four goals uh, directly from a, a free kick. Al, 
when our forwards seemed to get manhandled, it was play on, but uh, not so when you when it went down the other end. Um, no, nah, I'm not buying it. No? Umpiring's in disarray. <laughs> it is. In general. Yeah. Uh, and the, the entire league's in disarray in general. Uh, we should have won that game. Yep. Uh, I agree. We stuffed it up. Uh, and again, yeah, there's going to be umpiring decisions that go against you, but take the umpires out of it. And it's oh. the same as the West Coast game. Take the umpires out of it. Get and put a team away properly. Don't give them the ball in the first place, which is not you can't do that all day. But you know, the less times the ball gets hoofed into a one-on-one in the forward fifty, where a guy gets totally isolated uh, and gets a bit excited and and you know hangs onto an arm or something, that's the kind of stuff that you do to take the umpires out of it. So, yeah, I mean, I just expect weird decisions to occur now. Um, and no doubt, in very soon we'll be completely robbed in the last seconds of a game, and I'll, I'll be on here defaming umpires by name. Uh, but for now, no, nah, we we stuffed it up for ourselves, and we've only got ourselves to blame. I think uh, not. Ha- well, uh, before we go on, I might just uh, do some housekeeping. If you'd like to join our program tonight to discuss any of the topics that we're talking about, give us a call zero three. Nine zero one six three triple six. That's zero three nine zero one six three triple six. Or Skype us, Demonland thirty one. We love hearing from Demonlanders and uh, listeners to the podcast. If you're listening to the show live, you can join us in our chat room where you can ask questions or post comments. Uh, just head over to Demonland.com/slash/podcast. If you're listening to this at your leisure via SoundCloud on demonland.com or via Apple or Android podcasting apps, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive updates when a new show drops. Don't forget to leave us favorable reviews to help more people find us. We're also now on Spotify, so you can get the show that way too. Go to demonland.com to find the links to your preferred listening method. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash demonland31, Twitter at demonland, Instagram at demonland31, search for demonland podcast on YouTube, or join us at demonland.com. Uh, Demonland.com and chat with other D's fans and you can complain about this great club all day long. Um, you go blue in the face. <laughs> yes. And Red and blue in the face. That's true. Um, uh, well, maybe we... Oh, I was going to talk about... Uh, who was on Eddie Betts? Was was Billy Stretch on him? Oh, who, who would know, to be honest? I don't know. In the last quarter, I don't think anyone was on him. Uh, but... Uh, I think not having Jeddah, uh, who's been amazing, um, <coughs> probably the best defender to play on Eddie uh, over the yeah. last couple of years. Uh, big loss not to have him yeah, there. Absolutely. I mean, it just we just lack that that player, um, and I think Hoare has done a pretty good job as a substitute Neville over the last few weeks with yep. a few more uh, a few more intercept marks chucked in as well. Um, so he he might have done it if he was there, but it was just a case of yeah, our, our back line was just in disarray just from the cha- from the late changes and the the fact that everyone else was pretty much, I think in in even in Casey's team it was May obviously and James Jordan, Double J, they were the only Melbourne listed defenders in that team. So it's uh, yeah, there wasn't too much wasn't too much in the bank, and when you've got Hoare, who seemingly was under a cloud all week, and then Salem, who was very dubiously a late 
illness. Was he still, is that still the concussion or was there an illness? Uh, well, do we know? I wasn't entirely sure. of uh, James Brayshaw, you can never tell when he's being serious and doing blokey triple M bullshit. But he said a touch of gastro during the warm-up. And now ask yourself how you would get to the warm-up still in the team if oh. that was an issue. Yeah, I'll like, give him some like, emodium. Is he going and... <laughs> to stop crapping himself by the time the game starts? No, let's remove him from the team. Like, I, I, yeah, I'm still unsure about that. But they listed it as illness. Uh, and if they did list it as gastro, then I would be even more suspicious that it's something to do with the, the concussion um, and it's been, it's been covered up. But, you know, once you lose, once you lose those two for a key forward and a sort of midfield-ish player, that's when you end up with situations like having to play stretch in defence um, where he's, you know, for the first time in his life and it might have been at 10 minutes' notice that he was going to do that. Yeah. And that's which is why under the circumstances I'm astonished that we got so quickly. Uh, but um, I would like to... You know, you'd like to be magnanimous about it and say, oh, it's good that we got that close. But as we all know, the closer you get to a, a win being dangled over you, uh, the the more upsetting it gets. They also had to chuck uh, Jaden Hunt down back as well. Yeah, I know. Um, so, you know, that's sort of taken him out of, uh, you know, the position he's been playing uh, during the year. Uh, look, I think Hibbard was probably a little bit underdone. Um you know, I think he's only been out for two weeks, but uh, he, he, he had a couple of good, uh, you know, his long kicks into the forward line. But yeah, definitely wasn't the same uh, Michael Hibbard uh, that played just before his injury. Uh, Mitch Hannum was definitely underdone. I'm not sure what happened with that kick in the third yeah. quarter. Um, you know, I would have uh, backed him from there. Correct me if I, I, again, I, I, and I put this in my post and I'm not entirely sure if it's true. Was that the one that then turned into Nathan Jones's goal? Because I think it it came off the Adelaide player's face on the yep. way down. Yep. Because he misjudged it because it was just, you know, rotating at such a bizarre uh, velocity. And then it, it bounced out and Jones kicked the goal. So I can't believe that that, and there was a goal in the first quarter as well where we, we got it after two players, and I can't even remember who they were, two players both scrubbed kicks that just rolled along the ground and somehow we got out of it with a goal. So it's, uh, we, we, had a, we had a bit of luck here and there. There were a few Benny Hill moments <laughs> with the mishandling of the ball, I think either just before half time or end of the first quarter. Um, yeah. Um, I thought uh, Angus Brayshaw had a nice uh, bit of return to, to some form. Uh, he's definitely been uh, out of it the last couple of weeks uh, to the point where uh, Gray Viney and I uh, thought that he must be injured, but uh, certainly played a lot better this week. Yeah, I think it was his best game for several weeks. Yeah. Uh, and again, without recourse to the, the replay, was that potentially because Jones seemed to go back more? Well, they and played him in. Opened they, a spot for him there. They played him in the middle. He's been playing on the wing the last few yeah. weeks, and I think he's been lost. And we weren't sure whether it was the positional thing. Uh, Gray Viney was alluding to the fact that maybe he wasn't happy with playing on the wing. <laughs> uh, I didn't think he'd be so unprofessional to 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 you know uh, to protest in that way. Uh, so we sort of came to the clue, conclusion that maybe there was some injury. 
but he certainly certainly didn't look injured this week. He played, as I said, his best game for for a while. Um, Clayton Oliver uh, got a hard tag, but before that, he was sensational. I think he had sixteen possessions in the second quarter. Yep. Um, just incredible. He would have uh, he was in line to uh, probably break some records. In terms of possessions, I think he had 34 all up. Do you know how many? I think he only had two in the third quarter. Yeah. How many did he have in the last? I don't know what he got in the last quarter. Yeah. The problem is that, yeah, it's great to have a 16 possession second quarter, but what do we think opposition coaches are going to do to him every week from now (laughs) until the end of eternity? Because he got absolutely slaughtered last week by a tagger to the point where he was cracking the sads and kicking the ball away and getting reported for punching a bloke in the guts and then this week you've got the perfect case study of here he is running riot here he is being tagged by Bryce Gibbs because we've got nothing else to do with Gibbs uh, who's probably stereotyped himself as a as a tagger now that worries me and and that's why he's going to need help from his teammates and and especially if it's the hard tag the annoying tag like last week this week it was a bit less uh, ill-intentioned as opposed to last week where they were doing the Port versus Gorn style yeah. aggravation and he just got completely roped into it and nobody, you know, ran in and belted someone for him and but he, did, he does and cleaned out an opponent and he ended up belting the guy in the guts four quarters later himself and getting a fine. Well, he does that. Uh, he gets sucked into those uh, those things. I think some clubs know that and yep. uh, well, intentionally do it. Yeah. You know, yeah, like no. Gorn, well, Gorn in Perth all over again. Yeah. That scrub who uh, blundered his way into a premiership, you know, went and, and, and gave it to Gorn after the other bloke took the big mark. And the best we could get was one player sort of just come over and said, you know, please evacuate the area, sir, and stop making a fool of yourself. When we really could have done with it, given that the ball was basically on the line anyway, someone at least grabbing someone by the jumper and, you know, flinging them just to make a point. But it's just unfortunately not what we do. And there was a stat I looked at on the blog last week, and I can't remember what it was. And and this is a stupid stat, but the fines that we've copped this year versus last year, it's basically nothing this year. And it's not to say that that's the measurement of anything because who knows? Like, who knows how the tribunal system works? But last year, there was a lot more people wrestling and you know, throwing people and stuff like that. This year, I think, part, until Oliver, the last person we had fined, was Vandenberg in that preseason game for punching the bloke in the guts and running into an umpire. Um, where is the physicality? I'm not advocating players go out and waste waste their money by getting reported, but it just seems like we're just merrily going to our death this year with with no spirit. Like it's all just a bit flat. Yep, I agree. Um, yeah, bring back the biff to some Melbourne players. Um, yeah, or just bring back the grapple. Yeah. You know, bring back the manly jostling. Like, remember a few years ago when Alex Rance did hammer time on Jack Watts's yep. head and Jack Viney ran in like he was, like, you know, basically defending Jack's honour with <laughs> yeah. all with everything he had. Like, where is that this year? It's the same players. Um, there was another one, I think it was that same year, possibly Queen's birthday, the other time we played Collingwood, where J- Jack ran in, a bloke pushed Dom Tyson over and Jack ran in and swung, swung an elbow at him that he would still be suspended now if he'd collected him. <laughs> Whereas now, you know, it's just there's just no 
oomph. There's no fight, and it's just really depressing. Um, Oscar McDonald. Have we talked about him tonight? I'm not sure, but uh, I, I thought he was very poor. And I think um, I think once the cavalry is back, once we've got May in the team, once we've got Lever in the team and Hall back, I think it's a no-brainer now. We were questioning at the beginning of the year who who's who's going to be in part of this makeup uh, of this back six. And at the time, we weren't including Hall into the calculations. Uh, now I think, well, well, Jenna's not in there, but I think it's safe to say that uh, Frost will probably remain in the team. But I think once the Cavalry's back, uh, and they should be definitely after the bye, uh, I think OMAC, uh, and not just based on this performance, but he, he was well beaten this week, I think he's going to be the one to make way um, most definitely. I think there's a, a point in the chat room about him being isolated yep. and us not doing anything about that, which is one of those things where you feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, I think the confidence is just rock bottom. Uh, and he, I think he was always going to go when Lever and May came back anyway, yeah. even if he was in like baseline form, not great form, but just, just average form, then he would go anyway. So look, it's not great for him. Yeah, he's 70 games into his career and he sort of really seems to have stagnated this year. But, you know, he's a, he'd be a handy depth player if, uh, if May and Lever uh, don't get up every week. And if Frost falls out of form, you know, it, I certainly wouldn't be suggesting that we, you know, delist him immediately or trade him for peanuts somewhere. Um, but he might choose. He might decide that he wants to to check out somewhere else where he can get a get a game. But he hasn't got much of a highlight reel this year, unfortunately. No, definitely not. Um, some positives. I was very happy um, with Oscar Baker's uh, game. I think we've found a player there. Yep. Been sort of impressed with him each week. Uh, he seems when he's got the ball, he seems to have a little bit of poise and doesn't just quickly go for. Um, you know, go for a kick. He, he sort of skipped around players at times, uh, even not using his pace. Uh, just just the poise of him was, uh, you know, didn't seem like, and I think the commentators, stupid commentators, made the, the observation that he didn't look like a guy in his third game. Uh, so very happy with him. Happy to yep. see him be part of, part of this team. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Like, I think he went downhill a bit in the last second half, mm. um, but for, the, for a third gamer. Uh, I'm certainly willing to wear to wear that um, because he's he's definitely showing that he belongs in that company. It it almost felt like a token game because the season was gone um, last when he first played his when he played his first game. Yeah. But just seeing him actually in the game itself, you can just see that he just instantly fits, uh, and I think he'll have he'll have a good future with the team. Um, probably my major positive was again Gorn. Yeah, uh, well. I think I don't think anyone has carried a Melbourne team like this since Nathan Jones <laughs> uh, five six years ago. Uh, he we would be absolute cactus without Max, and I and I love Braden Pruce and want any excuse to put him in the team. But if Max was to get injured, and not that it would matter for the rest of this year, but if Max was to get injured, we would be so rooted it would not be funny oh. because he does so much more than just the ruck work, which he does well. Um, the centre bounce ruck work, like it's the stoppage ruck work, the marks, 
Um, and he, he generally disposes of the ball like a much smaller player. He, he's quite, when you see them kick it to him, for him to distribute the ball, you don't instantly panic because there's a pretty good chance he's going to hit a target. Yeah. Without him, I mean, two years ago, we sort of got away with it just by playing anyone who was over six foot something tall in the ruck. Uh, we got away with it until he came back. But I think now, the way footy's going, uh, we would be in massive trouble if he was out. So even then, it starts to get to the end of this year and you think, oh, Jesus, if he, need, if he needs something to get him into, if he needs... Yeah, something to get him going next year. If he needs to go off for a surgery or something, just give yeah. it to him because he is so important for next year. Um, we can't risk having him have a slow start to the season. Um, he's been in amazing form over the past couple of weeks. I think in the last three matches, he's averaged 41 hitouts, 22 disposals, six marks, six clearances, and seven score involvements. It's pretty impressive. And the, and it, the clearances is yep. the important one to me because you look at the clearance numbers and everyone else who's around him is the people he's tapping it to. So factor in that he's got to get his own clearance after doing the tapping. Well, that's helped That's helped with the uh, new uh, throw-in from the boundary that they're allowed to grab it and uh, yep. and get it. So he, he's taking full advantage well, of that. There's one he's done rule it. change this year that, that has <laughs> worked for us yeah, as we expected, unlike the 666, which has yeah. stitched us up royally. It definitely has. Um uh, I think we've pretty much gone through most of uh, most of the players, or, or those or anyone else that uh, that you were happy with. Uh, I think we've pretty much mentioned it. Yeah, look, I like. I, I think there was a enormous gulf between Max and the next group, but I thought Harms was good. Viney was good. Yeah, yeah Viney's improved a, the last few weeks. It definitely, he's lifted. Um, uh, look, uh, uh, Christian Petrarca. Um, he fades in and out of the games, which he always has been, but the times he was in it, uh, I thought he was good with the ball. And I thought he actually had a little bit of pace at times, sort of. Uh, um, and sometimes he sort of runs on that sort of diagonal to, to give that more illusion of some pace, and I think he got away with it a few times. Yeah, I think, look, I thought it was a positive performance by him. Uh, Garlett had one of those strange games well, where if you could be, if you could be guaranteed three goals every week, and 60 goals for the season, well, he's you'd done, put up with it. He's but. done a few of those, you know, the Joe the Goose over the top. And, yep. uh, but the and thing whatever. is, I don't mind those as much. If I was an assistant coach and had access to vision of where, if he was actually supposed to be standing there, I might have a different opinion to this. But at least he's there for it. Because how many other times this year, well, we how many other yet. players have we had that have no. done <laughs> that? Who's there over the top for the easy goal? But like I said, if I had the behind-the-goals vision and saw his opponent 50 metres down the line where if it had turned over with the last kick, they'd be walking into an open goal, I might have a different view on it. But for now, you kick three goals and we don't have really anybody else who can play as a small forward to that degree. Uh, I guess he's got to stay in the side. But I think he probably needs to to just uh, respectfully wrap it up at the end of the year. Uh, we've got a call coming in, uh, so I'll just quickly take that. Uh, good evening, you're on the Demon Land podcast. Who am I talking to? This is Red Legs 23. Good evening, guys. Uh, welcome back uh, to Red Legs 23 to the podcast. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Yes, another another weekend. 
another weekend, another um, oh, just an, an empty feeling, wasn't it? After that, um, after that loss, it was um, we'd pretty much done everything that we could possibly do to um, to uh, to not win that game, and, and unfortunately, it worked out the way it did. But um, just just to, to raise a quick point, if, if I may, guys, in regards to track. One thing where he needs to improve, and one thing I haven't really seen Track do over his career is if there's one part of his game he needs to be, um, definitely improve on is he's getting a lot of separation from his from his defender. I, I can't really recall too many times where Track uh, is able to push off and, and lead off his opponent and get a five or, or, or two meter burst on his on his defender and, and take an uncontested mark. If you look at Track, a lot of the time his marks are very much stand and prod up against his defender and with his brute strength he generally wins that and he's got great hands obviously but it'd be really good to sort of see him lead push off his man hard and and, and create sort of more uncontested marks easier for him um, in that forward 50. Yeah that's where that's where he's not like uh, uh, Dugowie uh, from, from Collingwood uh, who, who's very good at that type of thing. Yeah I agree with you I think uh, he but then again, he has he hasn't done that yet, so I'm can't say I'll see say that he'll do that. But I, I yeah. would prefer him not having to be the person we're kicking to inside fifty, and I'm hoping that in years he will develop uh, the ability to play further up the ground, yep. so that he's not having to be used as a target inside fifty. Because I don't think he does, you know, like you say, occasionally he uses his bulk to take the mark, and there was one a few weeks ago where he did a perfect. Might have been GWS. He did a perfect just removal of the defender, and it was like, yes, that's awesome. Uh, but he doesn't do that enough. But I would rather see him up the sort of one line up as a half forward rather than a marking target inside fifty. But you got to have the other the attributes to do that as well, especially the fitness. I think it's spot on, Susan McGrath, and I think it's almost as though track at times. Um, he sort of seems a little bit more comfortable in the middle. Something seems to happen when he sort of gets around the footy. Um, we know how strong he is, obviously, around the ball. Um, he, he really goes to ground. He's very strong on, on his feet. And uh, he's obviously a, a bit of a brute um, in the congested sort of area. So I, uh, there's something about him in the middle. Obviously, we know that he's got to work on his tank. Uh, we know that. But um, he just seems to play with a bit, I don't know, just a bit more, of a, I guess, a freedom when you're sort of giving those uh, those little bursts on ball. So it'll be, it'll be good to see that sort of, I guess, the back end of the second half of the year. Um, if you can maybe even play and switch it from sort of 70 to 30, maybe maybe the other way around in the midfield and maybe start more games in the middle of the centre square just to sort of change it up a bit. Because I think he's definitely got a heat to offer there um, once his fitness, well, if it ever does improve, hopefully it does. But I think he's got a lot to offer there. Yeah, and we might as well try it now. Like, yeah. I'm certainly not advocating we go out and, you know, do the old forwards in the defence and defenders in the forward line. But this is the opportunity now. This season is shot to pieces. No matter mathematical chance, whatever. This is the time to try and do these kind of things. And I think after the bye, let's get through Queen's birthday and try to, you know, give it as big a tilt as possible. But after that, that's the time to start experimenting uh, with moves that might be beneficial for us next year. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree. Uh, uh, go ahead, Red Legs. Yeah, I was just going to point out another another positive look. I know I know Hannon was was pretty. Look, she was underdone. It had been a little while 
first game for the year, I'm pretty sure. So you could tell he was a little bit rusty, but there was just a couple of uh, passages of play where you could just see how important this bloke uh, is to us and how we've missed him so much this year. Just that link man that sort of would, would get the ball, lead up and get the ball from sort of 60, 65 out, immediately wrench around on his left foot and deliver a beautiful ball inside 50 to, to a leading target. And, you know, if you look at a lot of the highlights over uh, our year last year, he was doing that consistently throughout the games. And I love the way he he gets the ball and immediately just goes on his left uh, left foot. And he, a lot of the time, more times already hits the target. So I think he, I think he might have been a was it the last or it might have been the second quarter where he did that perfectly so I know he didn't touch the ball a lot and he obviously shanked that uh, that, that kick around the corner but we just look so much better um, structurally when he's in the team and, and obviously when, when Melchon comes in there, there's another step up as well so um, I reckon there was some, some good signs and we've definitely missed that bloke so much this year as well Hannon. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm 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 prepared to forgive his game. I think if we were play, if we were do, if we were eight and three uh, going into this game, he he probably wouldn't have played. He probably would have played a couple of weeks in the resies just to get uh, his you know his eye in. Basically, uh, we've we've rushed him back, and I'm happy to give yeah. him a few weeks to get it because he is an important part of that team. Absolutely. And if we were eight Absolutely. and three, there'd be a significant cue for him to have to to beat to get into the team. That's whereas. True. <laughs> the way, the reverse, uh, it's a little easier to get a run. Anything else? Funny uh, you guys are, yeah, sorry, sorry, um, uh, Andy. Um, funny you guys are talking about Jeffy just before and, you know, about how he's kicked, what, he's kicked three goals this week. I think he kicked three goals a couple of weeks ago yep. as well. Um, but, you know, you've got some of those, some of those, um, those opportunities and uh, in particular where, you know, he's sort of little fingertip stuff and he's always running over the football. Um, you, you can clearly tell that he's just a, a bloke that has just not won any sort of pressure or perceived pressure whatsoever if it means he's going to get tackled or, or, or get in harm's way, um, which which is, it's it's to the detriment of the team because Melbourne's team in the last couple of years has been a very hard, um, you know, uh, uh, in and under sort of, you know, competitive, contested type of uh, band of football. And when you've got <clears throat> blokes such as Jeffy, you know, doing these little things where he's, you know, running over the football and not putting his head over. And if 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 there's any defence in Spargo that I will say, the one thing that I do like Spargo in their team for is he does tackle pretty well. You know, I know he's not doing a lot of, of the other stuff that great at the moment, but he he's tackling well. You know, and if you if you compare that to Jeffy, so to speak. It's just, it's parallels apart. So it's just, it's frustrating. Yes, I know we see Jeffy kicking these goals and it's, as you're saying, Super Mercado before, you know, he's getting, at least he's getting himself in those positions, but just some of the other stuff, the, the one percenters at the moment that is really, really sort of um, going against us at the moment, which is unfortunate. Yeah. You'd like to think we can do better. Now, I'm no draft expert or, or a trade expert to know who's on the market, but you would like to think that we can maybe even lose a guy, because he's not going to kick 60 for the year. He'll have games where he kicks none. You'd like to think that we can get someone who can, um, to add the good defensive pressure side of it as well. But maybe they can't. Maybe there's none available. So I'm hoping that that there is another option out there, a better option. Uh, and I'm hoping that Garlett does the right thing and just pulls the pin at the end of the year. Well, uh, uh, uh... 
he definitely did shit himself a few times going for the ball, and I can say that because I've I shat myself uh, going for the ball at times when I played footy, so I so I know what it looks like. But do you? How do you weigh that up? That that those incidents with kicking three goals, and he did kick three goals a few weeks ago. Are you happy to let those slide if he's going to be able to kick 30, 40 plus goals a year? Uh, obviously, if he's not kicking it, so see you later. But we don't have any other small forwards, as Supermercado uh, said earlier, uh, bobbing up and kicking those three goals. So I don't know. Where, where do you guys stand with that? Where are the alternatives? Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because, you know, when Jeffy, his first couple of years when he was kicking sort of 40 to 50 goals, he, he was doing, he was tackling well, you know, he was pressuring. He was doing it all pretty, you know, pretty good. So um, it's just unfortunate, obviously, that, you know, later on in his career, he's just sort of a lot, he's a lot more tentative at the moment. Um, you can clearly see that. Um, There's definitely, um, I just think, you know, on the footy field, when you see those little things, yes, he's kicked a couple of goals as well, but when you see that as a footy club or as teammates on the field, when it's your turn to go, you've got to go, especially when it's in crucial you know, situations or times within the game. That's inspiring stuff, and that stuff can sort of go a long way in actually you know, getting boys up and, you know, and, and maybe that contest then leads to something significant or there's, there's a goal from that. So I think even though he's getting those one or two goals, uh, three goals in this case over the weekend, I think the other stuff is so much more inspiring sometimes, uh, especially in particular when you've got, you know, a, a close game on the weekend. Those, those are the things that really sort of inspire and lift your teammates to, to greater things. So it, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a tough one, but you just you, you sort of disillusion up over the week. The last few weekends, I've just, oh, my goodness me. I've, I've almost not even worried about the goals. It's just been more about those sort of moments when it's, it's, he's had his moments to go, he just hasn't. And you can tell it's definitely been deflating amongst the group. And that's the thing now, like I said before about doing different things with the teams, now's the time to set the standard for what they want next year. Forget the three goals. The three goals are not going to, they're not going to matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, exactly. Now's the time that if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, and as pointed out in the chat room, he had one disposal in the second half. Yeah. If he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, it's time to say goals or no goals, move on uh, because for X, Y, Z reasons. Um, and if you don't if you don't replace him with a like-for-like like player, well, this year has been pretty much all about not replacing people for like-for-like like players. In the space of two weeks, you've had Salem go out for Spargo and Wiedemann. It's, it's what we can do. And if that's setting the standard for, for the rest of the players for next year, I'd rather them do that. Uh, and we we lose the goals and potentially pick them up somewhere else. And if we don't, what does it matter? Yep. Spot on. Yep. Absolutely spot on. Anything else, uh, Red Legs? Um, yeah, just lastly, guys. Look, obviously, the last few years we've 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 um, we've bolted at the back line. You know, on paper, everyone's <laughs> fit and healthy. That looks yeah. fine. Um, the midfield, we know where that's at. We obviously need some some outside class. We know that as well. Um, and it sort of goes on, on top of what we were just talking about as well. Surely there's got to be a, a, a real sort of um, uh, a must at looking at a, a, spe- you know, a specific small forward, that, that small forward role. I mean, you know, I think over the last sort of few years, we've, we've gotten in guys, I mean, like such as A and B, yes, he's running patterns, sorry, he's running 
capacity is great, which is awesome. But in terms of a, a, a bona fide crumbing forward, when was the last time we actually had a serious, serious, you know, play of the ilk of a farmer or a, a Walters or something like that? We it looks as though we 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 we're just craving for someone that is actually a bona fide crumbing small forward that just kicks goals and and puts on pressure. Um, surely that's got to be on the top of our list or, or towards the top end of our list when it comes to recruiting over the next, well, I would say this, this, um, this off season. Well, they drafted, uh, Bedford and Chandler, uh, Ooh. haven't seen enough of them to, I think they've kicked sort of a handful of goals each, maybe a little bit more this year. Uh, but yeah, yeah we, we really are craving that type of player. And this is where I was hoping that we'd have a punt on someone like that in the mid season draft. Um, which is yep. not a knock on Cole Dunkley because I can see what they're doing. Lock him away, uh, play him uh-huh. at Casey for ha- for half a year, and you know hopefully next year he's absolutely ready to go. But I don't know, just for my own selfish purposes of having to watch this team for the rest of the year, <laughs> I was kind of hoping they'd go out and find you know some kind of Austin Wanamiri style, yep. you know, unpolished diamond yep. uh, that just goes out there and plays with just complete enthusiasm. It hasn't had the joy of the game coached out of him yet. Um, but unfortunately, the, as, as with most things the AFL does, the, the idea they started with was not how it finished. Uh, and rather than topping up their teams for entertainment value for the rest of this year for their fans, they all used it for a completely different reason. Uh, Bin Man in the chat room says they should move heaven and earth to get Jack Martin. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't mind. <laughs> but uh, we're not giving. I don't want to give up. If we're going to get uh, a low draft pick, are you guys, well, we can talk about it now. Maybe <laughs> are you willing to give up uh, a prized third, fourth, fifth, sixth, depending on where we end up? I think. I think the thing is, I mean, there's 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 good footballers out there. You know, we've seen it with with the, the likes of you know. Um, well, look, Rioli was a higher higher draft pick. I think my, Rioli might have been in the twenties possibly. But you got guys like Liam Ryan. You got guys like you know, um, you know, even guys like you know, Shy Bolton. These blokes. It almost seems as though Melbourne's uh, recruiting over the last couple of years. We've done well. We've got Brayshaw. We've got you know Clayton and and Track and these sort of players. But it's almost like since then we've we've recruited safe. You know, there doesn't seem to be, you know, like it's almost like we we just don't go out there as you're saying, Super Mercado. Why not? Why not take the punt on 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 someone that's um, it's just got a bit of talent, you know. Um, yeah. There's so many talented footballers out there, but it just seems as though we're not looking to take a bit of a risk. Sometimes I think we've been very safe in our draft in the last couple of years. I think there could have been great opportunities to pick up, you know, like you were saying before, a bit of a diamond in the rough and. An Austin one, a Mary or a you know a Tipping Woody, these sort of type blokes that are just playing footy, and someone someone every year every year someone picks them up, but it seems to be that we haven't picked up anything of that ilk for for a little while, you know, probably since the the the, the Jarrah days. I don't know if that's maybe scared us off a little bit, um, but it'd be nice to sort of see us just sort of take a punt on on on, on a bit of um, a bit of rawness. If, yeah, if even in the rookie sort of, draft, sounds a bit weird. Like but you and know, again, I, I don't know who's anyway. on offer in this preseason draft, in the mid-season draft. That there might there might not have been a single player that fits my fantasy small forward. But even you know, a twenty-five-year-old rookie or a twenty. It's yeah. not like we're we're adverse to picking mature-age rookies. I'd just love to go out and find you know who is the best small forward in the waffle, and just pick yeah. 
rookie draft, low draft pick, whatever it is, and just have a bash at, at that. You know, like it just frustrates me. You see other teams turning, you know, players from Ireland into superstars, uh, and we can't. You know, half the time we can't turn the best player in the best young player in the country into a superstar. <laughs> let's just let's you know, let's have a project here, and not you know cricketers who are coming in on category B rookies and all that. Like that's let's find a guy who's played Sandful, Waffle, VFL, whatever it is, and kick goals, um, and he's hungry for a chance, and just go for it. And if it doesn't work, well, whatever. Like not every draft pick is going to work. I think also we haven't had high draft picks for three years now, so well, maybe that's why they've been a bit more conservative. I was talking about yeah. giving away that early pick, but I don't think we're allowed to give away our first round pick this year. I think we're well, yeah, maybe. I mean, be, but... I, I would be again. I don't know who's who's up for drafting, but almost like the the Salem deal that we got him in on, where we we trade the pick, but we get a player or two picks, or you know something like that. We get a player and a pick five or six picks lower. Um, but I guess the the value of that depends. If you've got the number two pick, that's a lot more valuable than if you've got the number eight pick. Um, and personally, I hope we get the number eight pick. I know people get very touchy about that because they'll, oh, we've got to get the best draft pick possible. Like, I don't care. If you can't get a good player in the top 10, you are stupid or Melbourne circa 2009 to 2012. Um, there, there are... There should be good players out there, and I think Port have shown that this year that they went out and, you know, worked to get two, two players in that area, and they've both come on and been really good players. Um, so you don't need the number one, two, three pick to find a good player, and one who can play straight away. Yep. Yep. Well, I agree with it all. Agree with it all, guys. Um, got one more just before I go, if, if that's okay. Of course. Find. Um. um Maxi Maxi season and I just sort of I reckon I just um I tuned in as you guys are talking about it. Um I reckon he's very much gone under the radar a bit. It's almost as though um a Grundy you, you know, he's had, he's had a great year at Grundy so far. But I think after his four, first sort of four or five games, it's almost like they'd made it an absolute fate of complete that he's gonna get all Australian, he's the best ruckman. But I'll tell you what, if Max Gorn beats Grundy over the weekend you would have put together a pretty impressive four or five weeks, and uh, I wonder if I wonder if the media will start sort of talking him up a little bit more because I reckon he's going as well as he has the last two, three, four weeks probably. So, just interested to see what you guys think about that. Yeah, look, I think he look they had two ruckmen in the All Australian last year. Um, I, I don't see why they couldn't do it uh, again this year. Uh, who gets the number one? Look, I think from the AFL's perspective or whoever makes, you know, comes up with the team, uh, they might look at um, a ladder position. Uh, but Max certainly in the last few weeks has been sensational. And, yeah, I, I look, I think head-to-head this week will be interesting and hopefully Max can beat him and, and uh, bump up his credentials for, for that All-Australian and outright ruck. But, uh, yeah. I can see the media are playing up uh, Grundy as uh, the darling ruckman this year. Super Mercado? Yeah, look, I can see them both being in the All-Australian team again and them flipping it around yeah. no matter what happens for the rest of the year. Just as it would be one bloke got to be the, the ruckman, one had to be there on the bench last year. We'll flip it around this way. So let's hope Max 
can keep it up for the rest of the season just physically as well because I think we all thought that we were bringing in a second Ruckman so that we didn't run him into the ground. And now the question will be, do you run him into the ground for the rest of the year, potentially? Um, do you run him into the ground for, for no benefit? Um, or do we sort of like ease off on him a bit? You bring Bruce in to, to play 20%, 30% in the ruck um, because as we all pretty sure that he can't go all day. Um, do we start doing that, which potentially costs Max uh, honours at the end of the year, but then sets us up for next year. So it's, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see which way they go, but I, I just really hate to, to burn Max out because he's spent three or four seasons now um, being mm. the absolute 99% of the time Ruckman. Um, and he's a big bloke, and that will catch up to him eventually, I'm sure. I know he had that one year where he was sort of missed half the season, but I, I would hate to think we, for no reason, run him into the ground this year and uh, miss out on next year. Yeah, his body's definitely, you know, would be taking a beating. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, uh, but, but what does Bruce have to do to get a game? He can't seem to, to crack it. Um, well, and now that... Wiedemann's come back in yep. in some form. Um, I, I think I would personally I would switch Proust for Smith. Um, whether that leaves us still too too top heavy, well, we, I just want to see Proust play, just so we can work out well, if he's worth. Well, that's what I wanted from the beginning. Let's play the two of them yeah. and see how we work it out. At the moment, yeah. we've got uh, Tom McDonald, Tim Smith, and Wiedemann. There's no way he's getting a game while those three are in the no. team as well. That's obvious. So one of them has to come out. Um, look, they did, obviously didn't think we were too top-heavy this week, having those three and Max in the team. So I don't think you can use the well, excuse. Wave was an emergency. Yeah, well, he came in late. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know what Bruce has to do. I'd like to see what he can do with Max in the team. But obviously the football department aren't on the same wavelength of, as yeah. you and me. Uh, what well, do you think, uh, Red I was going to say, we look at what he's done this year. He played... A bloody good practice game against Collingwood, yep. which was, to be fair, low intensity, yep. and we didn't see half of it because someone pulled the plug out on the coverage. No, I was there. Then he they, was he was good. Yeah. Then we then he played. They tried to play him solo against Richmond, which didn't work. Next time we saw him properly was the Sydney game, where he actually gave a really good account of himself forward. Yep. Kicked create not only kicked goals but created goals yep. from the stoppages, which is something that rarely happens from anybody except Max Gorn. Yeah. Then the St Kilda game where he took a beautiful mark, kicked a goal, didn't play four quarters to be fair. Then he gets injured and can't get back in the side. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not really sure what he did wrong in those couple of games that he can't get it go now. And has kicked um, goals in the twos as well. So Yeah, and it's like I said, I just want to see him play to know if I should be getting upset that he's not playing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, inevitably, it'd be like, it'd be like um, you remember a few years ago, 2000 and. 10 or 11, maybe 12, Ricky Pettard. There was a big, like, sort of four or five weeks where, where everyone was going mad for Ricky Pettard getting a game, and then he finally did, and he had an absolute shocker. He had one of the worst games of his career. So I'm sure the same thing will happen to Proust, uh, and he'll finally get a game again, and he won't get a kick. But what did we recruit this guy for if it wasn't for him to play football? Well, I think it was, we recruited him just in case Max went down. But but then we recruited him because Max went down. It can't, and then the second game he played for us, we realised that he can't actually play <laughs> yes. as a solo ruckman. Yeah. So what's the point? He, he reckon... hasn't got the tank to play as a solo yeah. ruckman. He's not going to be a forward. 
he's going to be a backup ruckman, uh, and then he doesn't that, actually that, get played as a backup. The game you're talking about, are you talking about that Richmond uh, preseason yep. game? It was 48 degrees or whatever on That's that true. day. So, yeah. Uh, Red Legs 23, uh, thoughts on Bruce's situation? Yeah. Um, do you think, when did Bruce, well, he injured himself in, against the Sydney, against Sydney, didn't he? And then he sort of... Yeah. He's been in and out since then. Well, I think he played one more game after that. I think it was. Is that right? Yeah, he played the St Kilda game. Yeah. Um, the goal in do about you, the first I don't know. Do you, do you think the the, the the coaching staff is... I mean, it sort of almost coincided with Maxi's form. I mean, Maxi wasn't... He started slowly the sort of first sort of month. And then he's come good, you know, really in the last sort of four or five weeks. Do you reckon just the sight of seeing Max play such good football, do you think they've just sort of... Uh, I'm just sort of thinking out aloud here because it sort of seems to be other no reason why they haven't given him a crack or, or, or much more than the, the two games that he's played. Is it just because the form of Max, um, he's been so good the last sort of four weeks that they've just sort of been hesitant or just resistant to say, maybe let's just hold back a tad? I'm, I'm not too sure why, but I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I think you certainly don't need him to play that much in the ruck. Uh, for the quality of our performances. Like, as long as Max can play 95% in the ruck and we're not just running him into the ground for the sake of nothing, yep. then, yeah, I think that, that that's a perfectly valid point. Um, but my my question would be, now now particularly that the season is dead and buried and not coming back, Time's do now. we need yeah. Max to play 95% in the ruck every week? I would say no. And, and I think you get... Tim Smith, Wiedemann, McDonald, they all can contest a centre bounce gamely uh, and potentially get a tap. Even Harms did it last year. But you don't get quality. You don't get the quality around the ground with the taps. You don't get the quality in the centre with the taps. You know, just, just give him a game and, and let's see how it goes. And then take the heat off Max. So Max only has to play 80% of the game in the ruck instead. I think we struggled this week in particular a few times when Max went off the ground and uh, Tim Smith went into the ruck. Mm. Uh, I think we got bit well beaten a few of those times when he was off for five minutes at a time. Yeah, Tim Smith, and this is no offence to Tim Smith at all because it's yeah. not his job, but he has yeah. no idea how to ruck. He can, like I said, anyone can run and jump at a ball at a centre bounce. Last year, 100%, I saw James Harms do a tap out of the middle <laughs> that created a goal. Yeah. Like, any player who's of a decent height can do a centre bounce ruck. It's the around the grounds rucking and the, the presence of actually being a big man around the ground where a ruckman goes from bog standard to superstar. And that's where Max is, is such an important player because, like I said earlier, you can actually rely on him to dispose of the ball uh, better, than, better than most of our actual players on our list, let alone the big players on the list. But you also get the fancy taps around the back. You get the grabbing it out of the ruck and, and getting rid of it. And that's what I want to see Bruce, if he can do that. Because if he can't, I don't know why we why, why we recruited him in the first place if he wasn't going to, if they didn't think he was going to be able to do that. I think they took Tim Smith out of the ruck and put uh, Tom McDonald in there, who can barely jump off the ground at the moment. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> so, it was, yeah. I mean, you, you'll remember probably a Dar- that Darwin game might have been the very first one where Jamar had done done himself into the ground so much that we ended up with like Lyndon Dunn in the ruck and Colin Sylvia in the ruck and it was just like basically <laughs> anybody who could jump off the ground in the fourth quarter was being put in the ruck 
Um, it had a hint of that about it, including us blowing a massive lead. And unfortunately, this time, not holding on to win. Um, well, we might move on from that ga- from the game, uh, but uh, just in relation to the Northern Territory, what do you think about uh, the crowd? Uh, it seemed very vocal uh, for Adelaide to the point where when we were having kicks for goal, Max at the end and uh, Sam Wiedemann were having shots for goal, they were actually getting booed. And I know we get some money for these games, but... Uh, do you think we should be playing a team that has a large support supporter base there? From the AFL perspective, they probably want a team with a big supporter base out there to get the numbers there, uh, as opposed to us, say, playing the Bulldogs there or St Kilda. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Should we? Is the money still that important? Uh, should we be playing up there, given that uh, obviously we're going to come back, we've got a, a longer break before the next game? But it's that Darwin game's definitely going to affect uh, the next game. So, uh, boys, your thoughts on uh, Northern Territory and that deal comes up every year. <laughs> but... well, that's you why it's one it's of my. Uh... Oh, wait. <laughs> go ahead, uh, Redleg. You go. No, Redleg, you go, and then Supermercado will chime in. Yeah, you know what? If 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 going up to Darwin a couple of times a year would give us access to untapped talent, you know that we haven't seen yet. You know, it, it does or, it give us or a, something like that? Is it giving us yeah. uh, access to to that talent, or do we have some well, academy there? Or you would hope so. I mean, we're putting obviously a lot of work into it as we have the last ten years. I mean, that that's probably probably where I sort of look at it from. Is yeah, okay, we're getting a bit of a, a quid from it. Okay, whatever. But you know, we are there any? I'm guessing there are relationships that have been built over the last little while in regards to this, but is it bringing us closer? As you're saying, you know, is there a, a, an academy or are there, you know, ways in which we're trying to gain access to, you know, up-and-coming talent within that area? You know, um, what there's got to be something more to it than I've just, just bought up the, you know, I've playing just a game up the over map. there just for a bit of money. I mean, that, that's, that's the way I see it, hopefully, anyway, but I don't know. You'd hope so. On the map of the Next Generation Academies, the Northern Territory is actually divided up into a bunch of different regions, whereas we get sort of... If if anyone just types AFL Next Gen Academies, they'll get this map, whereas we've sort of got the bottom bit, including Alice Springs, and then obviously a lot of bits that have absolutely nothing in it. Collingwood's got the bit that includes Tennant Creek. Hawthorne's got the bit that includes no place big enough to actually be listed on the map at this scroll. Uh... Essendon has got your Darwins and Geelong's got sort of the Tiwi Islands or the the right-hand side of the Northern Territory. So it's not even like we're getting the big, uh, you know, everything that comes out of the Northern Territory is ours or at least even half of the Northern Territory. Uh, The whole place has been sliced up five different ways. Yeah, it's interesting. but That's uh, what I would have... Sorry, you go. No, I was just going to (laughs) say... This Northern Territory, we're playing Adelaide and West Coast up there, and arguably they'll both have bigger supporter bases up there. Um, not much of a home ground advantage. I know we're not going there for a home ground advantage. We're going there for for the money and the deal. Um, yeah. I think that you look at we we've both been beaten badly by and thrashed Fremantle in games there. So... 
I'm I'm not totally sold on the the home ground advantage versus no home ground advantage, but the fact of the matter is, these games bring in somewhere between one and one point two million dollars a year. Yeah. Now I've done the figures on this because <laughs> this is one of my favourite subjects because I, I personally I don't like these games and I don't want them to happen. Um, and something that I've something that I've never told told in public before I've probably alluded to was about five years ago I actually put in a request to the club to put a motion at the AGM to put in our constitution that we couldn't play more than two games maximum outside of Victoria because I was worried they were going to get excited and start selling you know three or four games to the Northern Territory and none other than Peter Jackson himself <laughs> called me into the club hmm. and basically sat me down and said you know Come on, man. Yeah, obviously, we're not going to sell any more games. I promise you we're not going to sell any more games. They obviously didn't want the, the bad press of someone putting up constitutional amendments. Um, but that's when I got told that it was effectively $1.2 million uh, for, the, for the sponsorship of the Northern Territory. And the, effectively, it was take it or leave it. Uh, and their view at the time was that if there was $1.2 million on the table, they may as well take it um, rather than someone else getting it. And the issue is in the interim... Since then, we've lost Queen's birthday uh, and we're chucking the pokies. Mm-hmm. So last year, we made $6.4 million from selling the Lee Oak venue. We made $6.9 million for the year. So effectively, we only made $500,000 as a football club last year. And we made the finals. <laughs> and we made the finals. Now, the year before that, I'm assuming without going deep into the financials that there was a big investment into the football department because the year before that we actually made 1.3 million dollars yeah so if you look at that year in isolation that year in isolation could wear taking a million dollar sponsorship out but once you factor in take out however much queen's birthday would have gotten us that year take out whatever the pokies money would have got us that year um pretty much you're guaranteeing a financial loss every year. And the $6.4 million they've got for, for flogging their, um, their gaming venue to the Melbourne Racing Club or Moody Valley Racing Club, some racing people, that obviously buys a few years of, of you know, financial you know, money in the bank, but that's not going to last forever. So as much as I don't like playing these games and as much as I don't like pokies, it's kind of like, somewhere you've got to make a decision because you've still got to have the money to run the club. And if you get, if you get on a a bad roll, like we did a few years ago, um, you know, you're going to end up in massive trouble if you start losing big money. Um, And then if you lose these games, if someone else moves in on these games and then they're gone, where else do you, where else do you sell a home game if you're desperate for money? The only place I can think China. of that's not being used now is Cairns, and I think even Gold Coast are playing there at some point. So maybe even that's shot as well. Effectively, the only place that's not... If Cairns has been used by the Gold Coast, the only place that is previously been used as a sell games venue that's not now is New Zealand. So it's unfortunate, but that's the, that's the, you know, the reality, reality of being a poor club. Unless we can find some way to make up that one 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 point two million dollars a year, and factor in however much money we're not going to make from having pokies in the next couple of years, I think this is going to be a, a very unfortunate necessity. And look, last year we came back from thumping Frio in Darwin after we'd already thumped Adelaide 
in Alice Springs, and we kicked about eight goals to none in the third quarter against the Bulldogs. So no one Bulldogs, was complaining yeah. about it then. No. So it's it's an unfortunate reality that I think we're going to have to do this in the interim until we can build a sustained model of success that actually puts another $1.2 million in the club's pocket every year. But I am, I was under the old administration at least, uh, I, I took their word for it that there's no thought of doing any more, thankfully. All right. Um, changes for next week. Uh, I guess there's there's not much to discuss in terms of the Casey game. We know that uh, Stephen May, I think he had nine marks. He had um, I think 22-odd possessions or something. Uh, that's a good first hit out for him. Um, Injury list, I don't think we've... I'm not sure who's coming back this week. Look, I, I don't know how severe um, Lever's injury is, and obviously I don't think he'll be back into the seniors anyway. Um, Hoare, do we know how long he's out for? With it just the week? I'm hoping. I, I thought it was only the week because it was a sort of more of a soreness than a, a major injury. Um, look, it depends who's available. Obviously, if Hoare is he, if Hoare's available, he's back in. Uh, do, does May come straight back in, or do you give him another week? Oh, ideally, desperate, uh, ideally, you probably would. It feels desperate anyway. Um, I, I, I just seem. I reckon they're going to succumb to it. I reckon they'll play him. Super. Yeah. Oh. Ideally, you would, and this goes against everything I just said about there's nothing to play for, <laughs> just be calm. Yeah. But I probably would pick him. I, I had Hall, Lever, May, Bruce and Salem in for Wagner, Kennedy, Harris, Oscar, Tim Smith and Spargo. D- D- um, but my, my changes over the last couple of weeks have had absolutely nothing <laughs> no. to do with team balance and more to do with just who I want to see playing. They've got a few big uh, backmen. I'd like to see uh, Proust come in, but I don't think it's going to happen. They've also got a few tall forwards. And Mason Cox, yeah. he ripped us a new one last year. And he's done pretty much nothing this year. Yeah, but he'll, I'll, I'll be he's very he's... worried if they pick him and we don't pick Lever and May. And I'm not saying Lever would play on him, but just to have all, just to have the, have a third the multiple up. defensive options. Yeah. I don't that think that would be the perfect way to get him back into form. Because Lever missed last week with a rolled ankle, I'm assu- uh, he, yeah. he I don't think they're going to play him in the in the ones. No. They'll play him he in was, that week in the. Yeah, two. I saw in the news tonight. He was absolutely bursting at the seams. He's sort of saying, "Yeah, I'm not. You know, I don't want to wait any longer and all that." So they might have to they might have to hold him back. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I saw, they've got to, They've got to pick one of them. I saw him play. Yeah, I think May will be in. Uh, I I saw Lever at a function at the preliminary final in Perth, and he was raring to go for round one back then, and <laughs> <laughs> he still hasn't played. So, yeah, he's raring to go. We know we know that. Um, yeah. And you do know what happened with? Um, I, I saw. I was keeping up with the the updates of the Casey game, and it seemed as though. Kay Colleges and he had a, a had a ripping first quarter and he may have had I think maybe ten possessions or something like that, but then it's ended up suggesting that he's I don't think he got the ball much more if anything after that for the next three quarters. Does anything know anything about that? I didn't follow the game at, at all. I just saw sort of what people were saying afterwards. So yeah, I've, I've got the same info you've got. Um, He'll need a few weeks anyway before consideration. I would yeah. have thought. Yeah, they've, they've mind you. At the start of this year, we were picking players. We we picked him off the back of one. It was either a, might not have even been a VFL seniors game. It might have been a VFL practice game. 
So you can't rule out that they might just go and randomly pluck someone up with five minutes of VFL time under their belt. He's also wearing the yeah. the the, the, uh, the Angus Brayshaw helmet uh, at the moment. Uh, so hopefully he gets over his concussion issues yet. Fingers crossed, guys. But look, that's me for the night. But um, thanks, Andy. Super Mercado, thanks for your time. And um, hopefully we get a, a good uh, a good look in on, on Monday. No problem. Thank you for the call. Bye, guys. Cheers. All right, that's uh, that's a changes out of the way. Um, uh, what do you think of the? Um, let's, we'll go through a few topics uh, quickly. Uh, there was a uh, Richmond uh, supporter banned. I'm not sure if he was banned by Richmond or by the AFL uh, for abusing the umpire. Um, I think he only called him a, a blind green maggot or something, or I don't know what he called him. Something, something to that effect. Um, do they? Um, do they ban people in row MM of the <laughs> Well, I think the problem stand? is, no, they don't, because no one's up there, and, and in space, no one can hear you scream. Uh, the problem is, you, certainly with this Richmond cheer squad, they basically have to sign a code of conduct saying they're not going to disgrace the club, which ironically, when you look at any Channel 7 game and they have their standard shot of just cutting straight to the cheer squad after any dubious decision, <laughs> and it's just people there absolutely screaming their head off all kinds of stuff. I like to I like to hit print screen when I'm watching on the computer and get all the classic shots and put them on Twitter. It, so you'd feel bad for this guy. But the fact of the matter is, and I, this is not a party political broadcast, let's not get into the the big debate, but Israel Folau, right? What he said, if I write that, no one cares, but he signed a contract saying... He had to abide by a certain way of behaviour and he breached that. So it's the same thing here. And that's why you'd be absolutely mad to uh, join a cheer squad, in my view. I respect what they do. Um, but anywhere anyone told me to sign a piece of paper saying how I had to act at the footy, even though I'm reasonably well behaved, um, I certainly wouldn't be signing up to that. Um, and I suggest that this bloke should do the same. The worst thing was the Richmond cheer squad had to go to like sensitivity training because of it. Just imagine imagine getting summoned to sensitivity training. So it was a member of uh, it was a member of their cheer squad. Yes. So but imagine being one of the other people who there has to go and sit in like a room and like eat party pies and watch <laughs> a PowerPoint presentation about uh, you know, sensitivity and respect and all that. Like I'm all about sensitivity and respect. That's that's all it's all good stuff. But yeah, I certainly wouldn't be doing anything that meant I was uh, signed up to a program that, that meant I wasn't allowed to call someone a, a blind green maggot if that was my well, choice I'm, of term. I'm a bit worried because the the, the phrase that he used, I, I usually use on a weekly basis. Uh, and it seemed, you know, fairly common. I mean, I'm sure much worse, worse things have been said at the footy. Oh, so I'm just worried. I wonder uh, who lagged him in. Yeah. <laughs> Did one of his own people? Because you know what cheer squads are yeah, like. And all... the, the demon army, I'll, I'll give. I used to want to just like forcibly like use the military to abolish every cheer squad in the league, but they do such a good job. I have the utmost respect yeah. for them. But in the past, there has been situations, including in the Melbourne cheer squad, where there's been personal issues and factions and you know groupings breaking out. I wonder if this guy got lagged in by one of his fellow cheer squad members uh, over a over some kind of personal issue and who gets to hold the pom-pom. and It's one way to like get that. rid of someone. Because <laughs> otherwise, usually the people who sit around the cheer squad 
are actually the worst behaved people because they sit there and they just provoke the cheer squads. Um, and I know the Melbourne cheer squads had that a few times over the years, especially at a few Collingwood games where, where you know, they, they sit in their bay and then they've got Pies fans right next to them who just basically provoke them all day. Uh, so I really can't see how this guy got busted unless someone from his own side lagged him out. <laughs> but we look forward to the split of the Richmond cheer squad that will come out of that. Yes, will be nice. Um, the sacking of, uh, of Brendan Bolton, uh, surprised? No, but I feel bad for him at the same time. Um, unfortunately, the I don't, I don't know how that Essendon game the other day became their tipping point. Uh, yeah. That confuses me. Usually, it's your your one eight six style losses um, that tip the tip the um, people over the edge. But you know, the record is so bad that in this day and age, you're never going to get away with with keeping him. Uh, and I would like to think that they would keep him and the process, which is the, the best cliche in football, <laughs> the process would start to swing around the other way. But in this day and age with the media, it w- would just be every week, just like bang, 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 just smashing him, um, dead man walking. He, they just wouldn't be able to get away with it. But I think Carlton themselves and my my free advice for fans of other teams and other teams end here. But... What's Stephen Silvani mm-hmm. done with yeah. building that list? And the co and when the board, when the chairman of the board is presiding over his second sacking press press conference, maybe it's time for him to have a look at himself. Anyone, and I think this is the first time in my life and the last time I'll ever agree with Danny Frawley. I saw this on Twitter. Anyone who's still in that administration that was there when they sacked Ratten should quit. Yeah, because that was the stupidest thing they well, ever he, did. He shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have been sacked. That was ridiculous. <laughs> That, well, was, was, that was, he was a good so coach. like, and I've never followed a big, gigantic, successful club in pretty much any sport. So I don't know what it's like, but that to me was just a club that was no longer big and successful thinking that they could be big and successful. Yeah. Yep. We're just going to just get, get this Malthouse, guy out, yeah. just take him outside and shoot him. We've got Malthouse. Yeah. This is going to be good times coming around the bend and, and that didn't work. And that was just one of the most ridiculous decisions ever. And, uh, you know, I feel sorry for Bolton, but I would ask who else is going because I don't know what control he has over that list and the creation of that list because it seems to be, from the outside, a Stephen Silvani-dominated production. Um, and that's why we're we're seeing all these ex-GWS players rolled yeah, in it's not under just... the proviso that he knows them and all that. And so many of them have gone into Carlton and straight back out of Carlton again. Yeah. You know, and whoever decided to do that trade. Oh, well, that was what I was going to say. The GWS plus that trade. He's got to go, but he's a club hero, so he won't. Exactly. And it's the same. Never get club heroes. Or, you know, we we had a, you know, the other uh, several years ago when basically Gary Lyon got the keys to the joint. And that, you know, certainly I'm not going to say that blew the joint up because it was already detonated by the time he came in, but it certainly didn't help put it back together again and then your James Hurds and all that like I you know there are some situations like Warsfold winning a flag for for West Coast but I would steer well away from club heroes um, because it doesn't seem to have a high strike rate of success and then you get situations like this where people become untouchable just because of what they did 20 years ago and I don't think it's good for the club at all. 
No, I don't think so. Um, yeah. Brendan Bolton, will he Bad get a, Will he get a gig uh, anywhere else? Uh, I don't know. Well, he's got Not a coach, but as, as an assistant. Surely, surely this doesn't put the stink on him. Like, I don't think he'll get a... He, he won't get a senior coaching gig now. No. Like, he's no. not just going to go to North and be their coach. But you never know in the future if he goes to an assistant, another successful team um, as a key assistant, he might work his way back around to it. Not that they seem to want to recycle coaches um, these days. It's not like, you know, football where they, where they just sort of tend to recycle the same coaches over and over again. Um, but look, I think from his from his pedigree with Clarkson uh, and from, you know, he coached five games. He got handed the keys for five games at Hawthorne. He won all five and everything looked hunky-dory. This guy, you know, looks like he knows what he's doing. I don't think that he'll have any trouble walking into another team um, as an assistant coach. And he might get paid less, but I'm sure the, the heat will be a lot less. Um, and today when he said, you know, I just love coaching and all that, like I'm sure he'll be fine. He'll get another job somewhere else. Um, I'm not across Carlton and care enough to say whether I'd have him at Melbourne, um, but I certainly think he looks like a very cheery character, or at least he did uh, five years ago before he got this job. <laughs> so so I did feel bad for him, um, but I guess it's easier to feel bad for people who are a, like a cheery character rather than someone who's just like, you know, gruff and Mick Malthouse style where you sort of go, yeah, boo, get out. Uh, it's easier to It's easier to feel better for the good guys. I felt a bit uh, jealous today when a, a couple of my mates or Cohen supporters were talking about, um, uh, just a via a WhatsApp group, were, were talking about uh, possibly trying to get Paul Ruse. And I, I, I sort of felt that uh, when you sort of hear an, an ex-girlfriend is going out with someone <laughs> that you know. And I was like, uh, wasn't quite uh, happy with that. Well, the uh, good news is they don't score anything now, so they won't be... <laughs> They they won't be so upset about those couple of years where their team will <laughs> score you know, yeah. three twelve, thirty every second week, um, which is not to downplay obviously the the ruse contribution because he got us back on back on track. But there was certainly at least one year there, twenty fourteen if not twenty fifteen as well, where we had to uh, close our eyes and and hope that hope that it was all leading to a glorious future, which it did for one year. Um, because gee, that was that was some bad football to watch when we just couldn't score, but we were all just happy because we weren't conceding 150 points a week. Exactly, <laughs> and it was all building towards something which I'm still confident, and, and I'm going. I'm usually a very conservative person when it comes to predictions. Like I've, I had us fifth this year, before the start of the year, I wasn't going over the top. I am very much convinced we're going to bounce back next year. I think this is the this is the Richmond 2016 gap year. They're gonna have a assistant coach, re, let's say reshuffle to be polite, at the end of the year. Uh, hopefully they can go out and, and grab a couple more players to fill needs within the team, uh, and then hopefully we have fit players coming back next year and staying fit. And I think that we're gonna be we're gonna be all right next year. Just playing devil's advocate um, and. Uh... Do you think, uh, and I've, I've sort of felt this. Would you prefer, and I won't call the, t- not the tanking word, um, that we, 
do you want to have an honourable end to the year and and win a couple of games and go a bit higher up the ladder, or would you prefer uh, that the disaster continues um, in some way or the other and we do end up third bottom or something like that? Like I said, third bottom or fifth bottom, if you still can't get a good player between those two, you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, And I think that what we just need to do is do everything that leads towards immediate success next year. So just uh, playing, playing, uh, playing the kids? Or... Pathetically low spot on the ladder and getting a high draft pick doesn't necessarily plug into round right. one next year. It might. <laughs> Look at the Port guys who just walk straight in and are accomplished players. But I would rather play out the year properly uh, and go on to next year on more of a high and still get a draft pick in the top 10. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, everything has to be done with the goal of what's going to happen in round one next year. So if Melksham is not right, you don't play him. Pack him away. If you need to put Gorn out for a week just so we're not killing him by playing him in the ruck 99% of each game, you do it. And if we win, you know, if we imagine if we didn't win another game for the year, people would probably, oh, yeah, we'll get pick number two. That'd be shit house. Like, the whole place would just be a complete shambles. So I think it's – I'd rather go as close to parity as possible and put my faith in them finding a good player still and, yeah, go into next year with with a raft of excuses about this year rather than just looking like the old Melbourne of old complete shambles. You don't like the fact that we might get a really good draw finishing in the bottom six? That's I, does it entirely. I can't see us. I can't see us getting out of the bottom six anyway. To be yeah, honest, but no. I think even then, if we don't get the super draw, we'll get the middle draw. And again, who knows? The and super just draw. Our, like, just just our luck. Know, all Gold those... Coast. Gold Coast could be good next yeah, year. I was going to say, just our luck. All those bottom yeah, six teams, Carlton, yeah. come good. Yeah, you know the top draw is nest, most of those teams except Melbourne. Yeah, are going to be really good, but I think the other two. I just think it's all much for muchness. Yeah. Um, even next year, you would think that Carlton can't really go much lower than where they are now. <laughs> but even in the middle middle ground, like that's the teams we should be beating yeah. now. Um, and that's the teams we almost have beaten in Adelaide, almost have beaten in West Coast, did beat in Hawthorne, did beat in Sydney. So I don't, yeah, I, I'm quite happy to, I'm quite happy to take the either of the draws, whatever's on offer just play out the season normally without doing anything stupid um, and build everything up for next year. All right, well said. Uh, I think we'll leave it uh, We'll leave it there. Um, I know we'll, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, oh, uh, Supermercado, you're aware that we'll be, uh, Greg Viney and I'll be interviewing uh, the Straub uh, I saw that n- next week. Uh, Very excited. Any any questions uh, you have in your mind? That's oh, just uh, mainly about him hitting people. <laughs> well, we will. Suspended. I think he got suspended on debut. Oh, he did. Okay, yeah. that's that's. A I think he good did. I'll, I'll have to delve into the archives. I'll uh, and, and get onto the thread and. Yeah, if you've got any uh, anything interesting uh, in terms. Loves, yeah, he loves belting people. In terms of stats, or particularly that uh, first game, uh, did he get suspended or just reported? Oh, I don't think I don't think he often um, did one without the other. <laughs> I think he had a pretty good record of, of he connecting when he swung. 
Hold on, I'll just bring it up on demonwiki.org. Because I do want to ask him uh, about his feelings about missing that uh, grand final because as a footballer, it's probably uh, the most devastating thing. Um, yeah, and that was quite early in his career. Yeah, yeah. Second or third year. And also uh, didn't realise that he went to Richmond. I've completely forgot that he went to Richmond after us, but I'm not sure whether he played in games or only played a handful. His knee was... Don't ask him about him suing Richmond for $30,000 okay. following an accusation <laughs> of medical malpractice. Okay. Uh, yes, he got one game for striking on debut. On debut, brilliant. All right. Uh, <laughs> we'll to, uh, so that's a rare, a rare achievement. Yeah, we'd like to... We might need to get uh, Sir Swamp Things... Uh, from uh, Twitter to see how many players on debut have been reported and suspended. I imagine there's not many. All right, uh, we'll be back uh, next week um, uh, after Queen's birthday. Um, looking like Tuesday next week, uh, but could be Wednesday. We'll see what uh, how we go with Steve O'Dwyer. All right, uh, we'll be back next week. Go Dees.